0: Hosting for the BGDL Plus Podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the BGDL Plus Podcast, a show designed to help you take your creativity, productivity, and designing to the next level. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends, and welcome to BGDL Plus. Today, we got a very special episode, very special interview, in which I am talking to Reiner Canizio, one of the greatest game designers of all time, one of the best designers on the planet. And a while back I asked if he wanted to be part of the second edition of the Board Game Design Advice book that I'm working on, and he said sure, And but normally it's a written interview. I send questions, and kind of there's you know, writing and back and forth, different things like that. But he didn't want to do a written interview, he wanted to hop on Skype and just kind of talk through the different questions and, and his answers. And so, of course, I said, well, absolutely, let's let's chat. And so we figured out a time, and we talked throughout. You know, I asked him the questions, and he gave his responses, and it was just a really amazing, insightful, just wisdom-packed, interview that I will then transcribe and edit down to create his chapter in the book. But I also recorded it, obviously, and so I wanted you guys to have access to this, to be able to listen to it, kind of hear his full answers, you know, kind of some of the back and forth, some of my follow-ups. They won't be in the book. The book will have you know more of the summary of what he had to say. And so I just wanted to share the the full interview with you, as I feel like there's a lot of really just amazing stuff in it. And so with that, let's just jump right into it. First of all, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to answer these questions. I'm excited to get your your feedback uh, on these different topics. And let's just jump right in. The first one: What is the game or games that you have recommended most to fledgling game designers, and why?
1: I don't think I have really recommended many games to other game designers uh, because my message is different. My message is not. Look at one game and be impressed by it, or be inspired by it, or copy it is even worse. Yes, but my message is uh, get a broad overview and a very wide understanding of what different types of games there are. Different types of mechanism. Mean, game means mechanism, means materials, means uh, steaming. Uh, lots of things coming into that. Get a wide experience from this. Um, and make yourself robust so that you can essentially live from this variety and then find your own direction uh, where you want to, so to speak, dig your experience.
0: All right. What purchase of $50 or less has most positively impacted your game designing in the last year or two? This could be a tool, a book, an app, like anything is relevant, like anything of $50 or less that's really helped you as a designer.
1: That is a tough question because whenever I go through shops or through online shops when I see nice exciting uh, materials I just buy them because they might inspire me for something. Um, I have recently acquired a whole selection of compasses because um, I thought there must be an ingenious way of doing a game which involves a compass but where the directions really change and yep. of course the issue is uh, Norse is always Norse, it doesn't matter where you play so you need to have, and I need to have some um, so to speak atypical idea, how can we change Norse but still follow Uh, the compass and uh, then of course uh, use the compass to find whatever we want to find the treasures, uh, avoid the monsters, uh, find out the secrets, reveal what has been uh, done there Uh, and so I think getting the right compass was really how it is then amalgamated into the game was really a, a great inspiration. If that was the most important one for me, I don't know, that's one that springs to my mind at the moment.
0: Yeah, but basically you're saying you go to these shops and just buy components thinking, hey, how could this become a game? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yes, exactly. It is, it is getting inspiration from all sorts of directions, but I think one of the questions will probably come to this anyway. <laughs>
0: How has a failure, or an apparent failure, set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours, so to speak?
1: Oh, I have lots of failures. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: I have a problem with the word failure, because uh, the word failure already says uh, this was a failure. I'm not set up for for the future. Uh, I think uh, it was an early learning process for me Uh, You know, I have designed games as long as I can think and as long as I did move and speak. Um, And I very early started designing my own games because I couldn't find enough exciting uh, materials. I grew up in a very small town where the barber actually was the only one who sold a few games. Um, So I did that for my own fun. And I had quite a big collection of own games just for playing and then I decided well why should I not send my favorite games out to some publishers um, and I got nice little turn-me-downs uh, and I got them and that is the learning I got them because I treated my games not as a finished product, but just as an idea. Look, that's something we could do, and look, that's something that has potential. Um, And I don't see this as a failure, but I see that as a big learning process. Um, The same as I learned in the banking side, when people come and want money from the bank, and they say, well, if I had the money, I could do this and this. You never get the money. And if you say, look, I have an idea here, and it looks like this, and you send them the stuff, you never get published. But if you say... Well, This is my business plan. I know exactly what to do. Everything's set up. It's going anyway But if you want to give me some money, it's even better. People will Come running for you and want to give you their money. So it's uh, Building things for the future building things in games terms for publication and that means uh, investing all the time that is necessary to develop a good idea into a perfect game and that is a very long process And that process has to be completed, that's the big learning, before you even approach a publisher. If you approach a publisher with something half-cooked, you will be seen as a half-cooked designer or as a designer with half-cooked products, and that's not a good image.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How do you know when to walk away from a design, or at least put it on the shelf for a while?
1: That is a very tough question and a very relevant question, because uh, the biggest one of the biggest dangers as a designer is to fall in love with a design and uh, throw good money or good time or good energy after after bad. Um, so the sunk cost fallacy if you if you want a technical term it doesn't help you you know it but um the from it, it is very very hard to step away from a design uh, if you see for me if i see the design in isolation uh, but I have a good process in place because I have many ideas. I'm essentially, I have the curse of the many ideas, but the the path from idea to finally having a a, a perfect product is a long one. And there are always too many ideas that want to be fed and want to be nurtured and developed. And uh, when we test, we can only, I mean, we test many days in a week, yes. And when we test, uh, we can only play so many games in one testing session. Testing session is usually four hours, something like this longer. The testers can probably not stand. So it's that's, that's a good, good um, duration. And so when you look at it, you play two, three, because there's lots of discussions, games in one session. Uh, you have several sessions where you repeatedly play the same game, sometimes something new. Um, and so I'm saying, if you're not playing a game at least once a week, you're not really working on it. But what are you playing? You're playing the ones which are most promising, which are the ones which are keeping you excited. So, oh, yes, almost there, just this change. And it, it gives you lots of inspiration, and it just moves and flows. And this game, which is stuck, um, hasn't got a chance in this evolution process. It's a natural evolution, and that actually never forces me to bring me to say, I'm, ki- I'm killing this one. I just then notice, oh, this one was lying there for two years. I've never touched it. So it's a quiet test, many of these designs, uh, but it's not a painful test because it just happens and it's a natural process. So that's my way of dealing with the big risk of um, forcing a game to work which is never never working.
0: Gotcha. What do you do to get into the designing mindset? Do you have like a ritual or a certain process you use for getting into the zone?
1: I I don't need that. Um, All I need is time and, uh, so to speak, a little bit seal myself off from the daily hectic. Yes, it's, it's, you know, when you're a hobby designer, then you have usually a different uh, profession which keeps you busy. And then you may have family, you may have people around you, you have other commitments, other interests, hobbies. Uh, and that leaves very little time, but even more very little peace, probably. When you are a professional designer, uh, it is somewhat easier because you don't have a day job. But what happens is if you can dedicate yourself intensively to good designs, um, the success becomes kind of a curse because then you get all the necessary and, and, and welcome overhead of uh, selling the games, positioning the games, talking to the publishers, uh, negotiating contracts, doing all the royalty statements, putting your taxes, and all, all the stuff which comes with it, uh, closer or, or further away from the whole business of being a game designer, uh, that distract you and that uh, can keep you busy, and then going to the different shows and the fairs and giving a talk there and doing and giving an interview there. And uh, it, is, it is this not constantly... I mean, this is the this is almost the the challenge of today's time to avoid the constant interruptions and to get yourself a free piece of time where you where your mind is not half-hearted or half-minded somewhere else but and that also means you don't want to have any big troubles which you are worried about because that just distracts you from things you just want to Find a peaceful mind, be in harmony with yourself, and then the things will flow. If I know phone, I've only got 20 minutes until the testers come and I need to change something, this is far too late. This is not working, even if I have two hours. So it's you cannot design at a time pressure and you cannot design between two phone calls and say, I have 20 minutes and I do this. Yes, a lot of design work is done. You can Once you have thought about it, you can do changes, you can do new graphics, you can print new boards and, and cut them and all this stuff you can do. But the actual process of creation needs this secret place in your mind. It's, not, it's your mind, and then if you can do something on the outside physically to, to help you, that's okay. But it's essentially finding peace in your mind and finding the quiet place in your mind.
0: Yeah. What would you tell a designer that just experienced a really discouraging session of playtesting?
1: It depends uh, what discouraging, uh, actually where this discouragement comes from uh if it comes from the game not working uh, so to speak being disappointed then this is the normal business if you can't stand it if that's if if, if this if you found out very drastically that the game doesn't work, be happy the, the curse is the many games which somewhat work and yes I could actually press them in publication but no, I don't put my name behind it it's. It's too bad to be killed, it's too good to be killed, and too bad to be published. And this is this is much more a dilemma and a burden. Uh, and then we're back to the last question, saying, well, how do I work with this? How do I deal with this? So if you get a clear message that that doesn't work, be happy, then you can work on something better. Uh, of course, if it is not so much the discouraging session from the result as such, but from the process So that uh, the game designers were very hard, the game testers were very hard and put their fingers into the wound and rubbed salt in it and so on. Then I must say, be very happy then you have the right good play testers. Good play testers are, in my eyes, defined by that, that you want to, as a designer, continuously strangle them. Because they don't give you a nice time, they give you a hard time, but it's very constructive. Uh, And so if... I can only say if you had a discouraging um, session, be happy because you got a lot of good stuff out of it and don't be discouraged. If something like that discourages you, look for another job. Just, just be hard.
0: Yeah, having a group of, of playtesters who will tell you the honest truth and not worry about your feelings is like they're worth their weight in gold, <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. All right. In the last three years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your game design skills?
1: You are asking interesting questions. These are not the standard questions, uh, which I have heard lots of times and have a spontaneous, direct answer to that.
0: That's good news. That's what I was going for. (laughs)
1: Yes. So your questions make me think a little bit more.
0: I have a special
1: situation for me, which has had a big influence on my game design. Um, And that is uh, for 23, 24 years, I was living in Britain. Uh, no, Europe is small but it's not tiny uh, and uh, I always wanted to come back to Germany which is my home country. Uh, I always said uh, this is a step I need to do but it was never really the right time, you know, it's a big step, uh, it's a big disruption to the business um, it's privately you lose a lot of friends you have the testing circle uh, but I think the, the final nail on the coffin was the, the, the whole Brexit situation even so that wasn't really the the only reason for it but that I said okay now it gets a bit more serious and um, rightly so who knows what happens in next weeks um, and so we did the big step of uh, moving back or moving to Munich again and uh, you know the, the necessity to find new test groups. And of course I built them carefully because I gave some talks at university here before I moved and the university has a big games club and you know once you know a few players and then more players, more players and some come and enjoy it and some come once and don't enjoy the playtesting and the discussions uh, and so it has very quickly uh, the move has very quickly brought up a lot of new on average, much younger playtesters. Uh, and they have sparked a lot of new innovation because these younger people have grown up in a different world. They play different games. When you mention Tigris and Euphrates, they, they ask, what is Tigris and Euphrates? Yes, my generation of gamers would know the answer. Yes, And so um, I've now said a lot of things. The The one... It, it was less a habit, but it was kind of a change of circumstances that influenced me the most, and very positively, and no, nothing said against the other playtesters, but it's just this change of environment, the other demands, the other expectations for a game uh, has really sparked a lot of new ideas and designs, and has helped me much more to stay relevant uh, with respect to the designs for, 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 for the new times.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, would you suggest that uh, you you it would be good for a designer to rotate play testers? Kind of have people come in and out to get this new these new perspectives.
1: Um, I mean, I have a two phase approach. I have a, a very inner core of people who are very experienced, who very develop common values in a design philosophy, and that is very good. But it also makes you more narrow minded and. Uh, But these people help me, they they put a lot into the games, they get a lot of credits for it, because they deserve it. Um, These people help us to make the game robust and work as such. And then, I also always test with the target group. So if it's for kids, you need to find kids to play with. If it's for general casual players, you need to find casual players. And that's sometimes the bigger challenge. It doesn't happen that often we we might in the inner core play much more than with the target group but uh, the tests with the target group are very relevant. So rotating means yes for the target group the second part the first part I wouldn't rotate too much but it it is so to speak the don't do too much change because it will become chaotic and it's not productive but Change every now and then because you need to break your own. Particularly if you're working in a um, artist as an artist in a profession where you need to think and create new new ideas, um, then free yourself from the environment every now and then because otherwise it becomes stale.
0: Yeah, definitely. If a friend of yours is about to sit down to pitch a game to a publisher, what are some tips that you would tell him or her?
1: um well 90 percent of the of the activities have already happened when he sits down and pitches a game to a publisher because uh, what is very important is first of all know um, what are the products out there know what are the right publishers to show the game to um, and so this has all happened once you are sitting sitting down with the publisher i think it is still understanding very much what this publisher Um, has in their line, what this publisher, what markets uh, the publisher serves, and how your design fits into this overall environment. If you come and say, you have never done a card game, you've always done these big crowdfunding games, here's a card game because that's a new market segment for you. That's a very brave approach and usually not working. Um, But if you understand how that game fits in and how it helps to overcome challenges and we all have as as publishers have always challenges with the revolution of uh, how the trade and how the distribution changes, but also how the demands change and uh, how the globalization also influences our games. So um, if you have that understanding, I think it helps you very much to connect uh, with the publishing partner on a higher level and create an understanding that it goes beyond the individual game to see how that fits in the framework.
0: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. You know, so many people they they just kind of shotgun blast their their ideas to everybody, and it's like you're you're wasting a lot of your time, and you're probably going to waste a lot of their time if you're just sitting down with people that aren't actually interested in the game that you're you're making.
1: You see, if you want to be a successful designer, it's not only creating the perfect product, but also finding the right publisher and and placing with a publisher and. The publisher doesn't do that for fun. The publisher, I mean, he might not dislike the activity, but the publisher is looking for good games. Yeah. And so uh, it is not always, so to speak, God given that you will always get appointments and that people will always and that the right decision makers from the company will look at the games. So the best thing you can do is leave your counterpart in the publisher with a wow experience and say, wow, if he leaves with this wow then he will be eager to see you again if he finds all these things relatively hmm and then you talk them to death even so they already know they don't want it it may be harder to get your next appointment
0: yeah definitely even if it turns out to be a game they they don't want to publish if you've wowed them then they're much more likely to to meet with you you know about a future game and of course i
1: mean i show publishers uh, many games all the time and uh, i get rejected Many, many hundreds of times each year. Yes, and it's a normal process because uh, people look at it and say, "I like this," "I don't like this," "I don't like this," "I don't like this." People can't publish all my games. Yes, I mean, um, no publisher can stand my productivity.
0: <laughs> now, how many games do you work on in a given year?
1: Yeah, that links a bit back to the to the explanation of there are many drawers. It's uh, my 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 famous my famous fifty drawers, which are here. It is difficult to say how many games I work on a year. It is several aspects which one needs to see. If I work on a big, let's say, hybrid electronic game, it will take a lot of time. Uh, I have done quite a bit of work on the Toy Plus game, which will come out, which will be shown on the fair next week. So I think the press release has gone out, so I'm allowed to mention it now, that these electronic cores with lots of things around take a lot of time. Uh, and then there are smaller things which you, I mean, what is it, if, I, if we try a game two, three hours and then throw it away, is that, uh, uh, do you count that game? So when do you count one of your children as a child? And uh, um, it's, if I, and I'm, I mean, I'm keeping a good record of where my time goes with respect to design it, to which project it goes. So I know exactly how much time I spend on each project, not exactly, but how much time I roughly spend on it. And if I look through the list, and the two, three hours which I spend on a game is usually not recorded. I mean, it's recorded, but it then goes into a bigger pool. But those which are a bit more seriously worked on and which I see at the end of the year and analyze, that's a list of about 50 to 60 games. Wow. That means, this doesn't mean that all of these will, will work. I mean, the yeah. game can still easily die after 10, 10 hours, and then it will be listed there, but it will not come out. It is also when I have a Medici game, I might work on another Medici game. If I have a Los Cities game, I might work on one. So that's not the entire distance you need to then do once you have a framework in place. Uh, there are smaller cards and children's games in there, which are sometimes easier, sometimes take a lot of time. Yes, and um, again, if there are very, and there are very, but and from the list, there are very few really big ones where the design time goes over 100 hours. And these are the serious ones.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And now how do you determine out of the 50 or so you're working on at any given time, how do you determine on which one you're going to work on today? Do you have like a system or is it whatever you're excited about?
1: Well, that's what I explained before. That is the process of testers are coming, which testers are, this This is a casual group, then I need the right games for them, for that target group, or is it the hard hard core, the the inner core, that's about a dozen people, they're not coming all at the same time, and we're testing, and it is usually the ones we played yesterday, the day before yesterday, which almost worked, and I want to change something, I want to know how that works, Uh, so that is this selection process, that is this uh, evolution process, where some game really accelerate very quickly and you can actually drive a process very very quick by having different groups every day coming and you play and see and listen and and ask them Um, and um, so it's a dynamics i want to use and if uh which is not so often if there's more space and say, oh i have more space what do i do then i go back to these drawers and say which one oh this one i want to and so on and so
0: yeah, gotcha. And about how many playtesters do you have that are coming in and out for these different tests? I mean,
1: uh, it is always one session, one table. Uh, so I will always play uh, because I I do not believe in blind blind testing. I believe I need to experience um, the fun, the excitement, uh, what what the game offers me. And it doesn't matter. I believe it doesn't matter how much experience I have and how much... Judgment I have of does the game work or not. I need to feel it Hmm. Uh, And that means there is around sometimes it's only two other people sometimes it's five other people So it's a normal range of um, so to speak Uh, Yeah, sometimes it may of course we play we test two players as well. So I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, uh, Discard that Uh, we need to test the whole range very often it is a group of four players because that's kind of a standard thing. And sometimes when more comes and when fewer comes, so three to five is very often. Two is special sessions we do. And when when the when the house gets, or when the studio gets crowded, it's six or more. Uh, and then this is And then the, the issue is, I need enough games that I can feed this big group. Mm-hmm. Just run, oh, well, I want to trust a half an hour game with six people, and thereafter I don't have any six player game. It's a bit of a challenge. And so that gets particularly planned if we need lots of people.
0: Gotcha, and how many days a week are you testing games? It depends.
1: This week I've only tested once because next week is a big toy fair in Nuremberg and everything is focused on that. Um, in other week when it's quieter, when there is not a big fair which we're working towards, it uh, can easily be five times a week.
0: Wow, very cool. And I guess that's really the difference between doing this as a professional versus doing it as a hobby. You have to kind of take these professional approaches.
1: Playtesting is the lifeblood of designing. If you're not playtesting, you're not designing.
0: Yeah, great point. What advice would you give to a smart, driven, fledgling game designer that is just now getting into game design? And on the flip side, like maybe what's some advice they should ignore?
1: I think the best advice is don't do it as you are advised. Find your own way. Um, there are many mistakes one can do try to avoid mistakes it's almost like in uh, investing your money Um, you cannot really work out a super way how to make lots of money this is almost impossible Uh, you can have a reasonable way but you can do lots of mistakes silly mistakes which cost you lots of money So the first thing is when you build yourself up as a designer, try to avoid mistakes, try to build your career, be not afraid that your fifth implementation of uh, Ludo or Checkers will be stolen by the next person or by the next publisher. Have the trust in the publishers, particularly if they are well-known publishers, that uh, you can be open with them. Um, But I think the best advice I could give is... Uh, go for the small publishers because if you're new you will learn much more from the small publishers you are being on on, on, on the same high level and you can talk uh, from person to person and you will be taken serious and you will learn a lot if you deal with the very big companies um, you, you are not part of that process you lose control over the design, um, you may make more money, but if you're in it for the money, particularly at the start, uh, forget about it. Uh, uh, But the chances, if you look at the expected value, you'll also be better off as a small publisher, because you have much better chances to get a clear feedback, a a faster feedback, Mm -hmm. and you will also know that when the publisher, the small publisher does it, their heart is in it because they cannot afford a flop. The big companies will just shoot, shoot a lot of things out and some things will fly. But the, the chances of getting published by one of the big ones is very, very small. Um, and I think your objective when you start is not to 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 have, I mean, it's always nice, to have the super duper hit right at the outset. It is get published, get known, get uh, familiar with the industry, get published in different countries, in different cultures, in different types of games, and build up this basis and the understanding. Um, if, if you can do it in one or two years, good for you. I couldn't. I needed many, many, many years, and I'm still learning very, very fast and a lot. And that's the great thing about it, because otherwise, uh, if you knew everything, what do you want to do with it? Uh, fortunately, I mean, fortunately, I need to say that. We are living in a quite a revolutionary time. I mean, I'm not saying these times are wilder than anything else. We have the history of mankind has had many rough times. But we, 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 we do go through times which have quite significant change. And this is good for innovative people and creative people because if everything stays the same, it's very difficult to create new things. But if the environment changes, uh, it's so easy to do new things. Yes.
0: Yeah, definitely. When you feel overwhelmed or unfocused or have lost your focus temporarily, what do you do? Like, how do you regain your focus?
1: I think I've always had this, uh, this very lucky ability that uh, the more hectic and the more stress there is around me and the more panic or the more serious the situation is the calmer I get. Uh, I think that had me, had, has helped me a lot when I was in management position in the... In, in, I, mean, I was in banking and in IT before I became a full-time game designer. It has helped me a lot there uh, because it is amazing how people start to panic and how people do not think clearly. And I think that's one of my great gifts uh, when the situation becomes tough that I can keep my clear mind. I'm very grateful for that Um, and therefore um, this is not really a challenge for me, Uh, for me it's more the challenge uh, that there are so, in our time, so many little things that try to have five minutes of your time and this I should do and this and this and this and this so it is, so to speak. Uh, fighting the paper dragon and the emails and finding good systems and that is really something where my organizational background in companies uh, helps me to keep things very simple and uh, to to set up systems and processes uh, so that you do not have to fight every day you know it's uh, i tell you I, I, one very simple situation I do sports. I have been a track and field athlete in younger years, and I still run. I don't always enjoy the running now, but I know I need to do it. And I have a very clear principle. I will run every second day, every other day. Not not every other day, not today. I mean every second day. And there is no discussion about it. It doesn't matter if there's snow out there is a heat wave out there, it rains out there. I will run every second day. So, therefore, there is no ego depletion. There is no energy going into do I have to, do I not want to? Um, and many things like this, nobody has my mobile telephone number. If people ask me, do you? there's not a single business person who has my mobile telephone number. A few very narrow friends have it um, because it's more an emergency phone. Uh, and again, this is something to keep my mind free. If I want to be connected to the world, I have my PC, I have all my connections here where I can can, can go with people. but. If I don't, if I walk away from this, if I'm sitting in the train there's no calls coming in, there's nothing else in there, I have peace if I sit in the plane anyway, because nobody can call you there, but uh, it is really getting these, thinking that through and thinking what do I want and setting up a system, for example, Karen. Uh, Handles all the communication you have talked to Karen and uh, so she sets things up and this is done She types much faster. She is much nicer for people outside. She has very high social competence Uh, She does things much better than I do. Uh, So that's the ideal thing It keeps my back free and it's even done better than if I would try to do it and I couldn't do all of this anyway
0: Yeah, definitely What do you wish someone had told you before you got into designing board games?
1: I don't have anything specific I needed for board games. I was lucky enough that, not for strategy, but for accident, I followed my advice of saying go with small publishers. I had my first game published with Hansen Glick. Hansen Glück is a big publisher now, but they were a small publisher when we started together. They had a very small corner. Uh, three square meters on the fair, and I met him, he wasn't even in the hall, the guy, yes, and I met him and talked to him, and we were both from Munich, and we talked, and we did some games together, we did some great games together, which won uh, several German uh, game prizes. Um, So I I somewhat out of accident got that right. So there wasn't anything which I missed out and said, okay, if I had, had known this. I, I, however, love these books, and there are the books as if I had known then what I know now, then, and so on. And I think what I have learned over the many years is, possibly I wasn't brave enough in uh, growing, brave enough enough in trying more things out, um, expanding, being more ambitious. Um, I did that in the companies, but I didn't really do that for my own company now. I kept it fairly small because I was always afraid. I don't want to manage that business. I really want to design myself. I don't want to hire three designers and then manage designers. That's (laughs) not my ambition. Um, But sometimes I think I thought too long about changes. Sometimes I'm not a spontaneous Design, uh, the decision-maker, it takes a long time and you can also think about things too long until you implement them. And I probably have a bit hurt on this side more than just you need to try things out. I would never, I mean, I'm not comparing myself with these companies, I would never be able to build a Google or a Facebook or whatever, because I'm trying to keep things simple and structured. And in order to grow that fast to such a world power company, uh, you cannot, you just cannot do that in a uh, orderly fashion, yes, and so, you. but you need to know your own personality and you need to follow your personality, so I know myself better now, of course, than I, I knew many years ago. Yeah. So with this respect, you, I think I become braver as I get older because I have less to lose <laughs> um, and maybe one or two brave steps where I didn't take the step in the past and should have taken the step That is the encouragement. If you don't do it, um, you will probably more regret what you haven't done than what you have done. I mean, what I've done is a big step and jumped from my banking profession into the gaming profession. So I did some rather big jumps, uh, but I could have done some more and grown some more and uh, did that faster because I now realize a bit my time is running out. I want another hundred years, but I do not have a hundred. Another hundred years. Yes, so that's that's what it
0: is. Yeah. What's one of your core philosophies in terms of how you live your life, and how is it manifested in your game design?
1: I'm a very strong believer in simplicity. I'm trying to keep my life very simple, and to have very few commitments in a way that. I need to have a gardener and I need to have a big car and I need to have this maintained and this maintained and it just uh, and I need to don't need lots of things. Um, my commitments are very much towards my inner circle of friends and family. Um, where I have enough time and the simplicity in my life just allows me to focus on I really want to do and allows me to create many games and bring lots of enjoyment uh, to many people around the world Um, and I think that is my greatest greatest philosophy Um, and it it expresses itself everywhere but it also expresses itself uh, in the games because I'm also by nature a scientist and scientists Reduce redundancy to a few principles and I think that is also what you see in my games Short rules, but when you play it, deep gameplay because the person itself emerges into that play and that's again the impression of uh, the expression of simplicity um, But it, it's simplicity doesn't mean it's it's uh, not deep. Simplicity doesn't mean it's not exciting and engaging but it's just cuts away all the unnecessary uh, unnecessary, uh, weeds around there, which distract you, actually. My games are not full of administration and handling, which you think, oh, I've been very busy, but you're actually not playing. I strip this all out and I allow you really to play and really to bring it down um, with your teeth to, I can move this move or I can move that move. And there's nothing I can use as an excuse, I either do that or that, and it's, it's... so it's, it's brought down to the point, it's brought very clearly, there's no delusion of certain environmental things which uh, gives you the impression of you have a very rich game, you have a very rich life, but if you look at it, it's all on the outside and it's not in the core what you really want to do from life and what you really want to have
0: from the game. Awesome. Runner man, again, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for so just so much insight and wisdom and advice. I know there's a lot of people out there. They're going to uh, hear this and read this and, and get a lot of, of good stuff from it. So just thank you again.
1: Yeah. Well, I thank you for your interest. I wish you lots of uh, fun, lots of uh, luck with your book as well, uh, lots of success with the book. Um, I think it will be a very exciting read. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed putting it all together and and talking to just so many amazing designers like yourself and getting their ideas and feedback and so many, you know, it's interesting. There's been so many diverse answers to different questions, but then at the same time, there's been a lot of people that have said almost the exact same thing word for word, and so I think there's so much value for a new designer to see that that there are there is no magic, there is no secret that you know that that. Yep. Other exactly. that Matt Leacock or, or Rana Kornizia figured out, it's just hard work, it's playtesting, it's a lot of these same concepts. And so I think there's value in the diversity, but also a lot of value in kind of the, the similarities as well.
1: I think that is a very big beauty about our industry, that people come from all directions of interests, of backgrounds, and they all love the games. If you look in other industry, and I know the banking industry, I also know the IT industry, things are narrower because yeah. it is uh, they've all run up this one channel and uh, come to this professional. And you can't say that about our industry. And our industry is very international and it's rich of culture and it's 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 fascinating. It's as you know, it's great, and therefore you are writing a great book about.
0: It. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This podcast is made possible by members of BGDL+. To find out more and to gain access to all of the awesome exclusive content, go to boardgamedesignlab.com slash plus. And until next time, keep trying new ideas, keep playtesting, and keep striving to become the best designer you can be. Did I mention keep playtesting?